0: This is episode 203, but the first under our new name of books, shows, tunes, and mad acts after a hiatus of about 10 months. This episode is titled Music with the Michiganders. Hello everybody. Welcome to Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts, the mostly self-explanatory show about stuff we like. I'm your host, Jennifer Crittenden. This show is a reboot of Dear Discreet Guide, which ended with 202 episodes at the end of year 2020. So thank you for joining us in the new show. I'm excited to see where this new adventure will take us. All right, everybody, here we are with the first episode of the show with a new name. And I'm so excited to have a couple of old friends with me today. And we thought we would kick off the show and the episode and everything with an episode about music. And I met these two guys. They're both Michiganders. I met these guys in the early 90s when I was living in Santa Barbara. Both of them have a lot to offer and contribute about music. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Uh, So Bill Aho is here with us and also Doug Walker. So welcome Bill and Doug. Thank you.
1: Hello everybody.
0: Uh, The first thing I have to mention is uh, Michiganders. So I met you guys a long time ago. I'm sure that at the time it sort of occurred to me that you were both from Michigan but I never put two and two together. And then I realized when I was preparing for this show that I didn't really know what to call people who come from Michigan. So I, and I was like, well, what do we call them, Michiganians? Or I couldn't, I couldn't quite think of what it was. So thanks for educating me about Michiganders. And then Bill, you said that you're actually from the Upper Peninsula and there's a special word that you use
2: for those folks. Well, it's pretty um, common to be called a youper when you're in the Upper Peninsula. I mean, I think all Michigan people probably know the word Youper.
0: I see. Gotcha. And of course, I'm from Indiana, so I'm the lone Hoosier on the show. So yeah, we're like the group of people with weird names here. And then since then, I've realized that I had several other people in my fairly close network that are also from Michigan. So I seem to have a real soft spot for uh, Michiganders.
1: I see any, any Youpers by any chance.
0: Uh, let's see. So I have a friend who bought some land up there, but he still lived in Indiana. So I'm not sure he would qualify as a youper.
2: Probably not yet. He probably needs to spend a little bit of time up there. Uh-huh. <laughs> eat, eat, a, eat a few pasties and, and you know, just, just hang out up there for a little bit. It's, it's actually an
1: interesting place in that. So I lived outside. So I tell people Detroit is actually Bloomfield Hills, suburb of Detroit. And then I would run into people, you know, in the country, wherever, and ask me, oh, have you been this place and in the Upper Peninsula? One time I was talking to this guy from Nashville, you know, and I said, actually, no, I haven't spent that much time there. I point out to him that from where I lived, Nashville was closer right. by car than Marquette. Yeah. And
2: Marquette, no. and Marquette is where I'm from, by the way. So Right.
1: Aha. Uh-huh.
0: So we have you uh, even more pinned down now, Marquette and Detroit. So one of the first things I wanted to talk about was your early experiences with music. Maybe you could call it your earliest influences. But for me, there's something kind of magical about thinking back to like when I was really, really, really little and when I first started hearing music and what music it was and then kind of the feeling or the sentiment that I have about that music now. And I'll go first. So I grew up in a household where really the rule was classical music. So my dad was a physics professor and he was actually kind of into music. So he had a reel-to-reel tape thing um, in which he'd recorded a lot of classical music. And then we had a lot of LPs. And so we had a few other Records in the house that weren't classical, but you know, ninety percent of the music was classical, and that was really considered like the okay music to play. We'd had a few uh, Joan Baez records, and then you know a few other odds and ends things, but really rock and roll was or pop music in general was not. That's not what was played in my house at all. But I did have an older brother. And older brothers can be really useful for (laughs) finding out about music. And so he had a transistor radio. And I remember we were playing outside because, you know, this wasn't the kind of music that we could play in the house. But we were playing outside uh, down in the cove. And, you know, I grew up way out in the country. And uh, the doors Came on the radio, and and I remember being like really, uh, really listening to that sound, and being very, kind of surprised and intrigued by that sound. Though I'd probably heard quite a bit of Beatles by then; they were getting to be pretty popular. But you know, that Beatles era was sort of the you know I want to hold your hand kind of sound, and so the Doors just had a completely different sound. For me so that that's my little story about of uh, some early musical influences how about you guys
2: I think music sometimes we we kind of get it from the really early days and I'm, I was lucky enough that I was the oldest child so in the, when I was born my mom gave me extra attention and stuff and I would she would sing like early nursery rhymes and things like that so it developed me developed my um, interest in melodies and things I mean I think I started all all the way back then I remember when I was about five riding in the back seat of the car and my parents were driving I think to one of my uncle's houses or something and um there and I can remember it was Motown playing on the radio and I was like five but it was like
0: uh, Motown
2: <laughs> it, it made a, a some kind of mark in my in my brain that I just remember sitting back there listening to it. I couldn't tell you what song it was or anything but I knew it was a Motown type sound at five I don't know how I even knew that but they must have talked about Motown on the radio or something mm. during the show. Yeah, I remember it way back then. So, And after that, of course, I think with all kids, novelty songs kind of become a a thing you listen to because they're catchy and they're funny. So until you're about 10 or 11, I think novelty songs kind of were a big influence of early music memories.
1: It, it, it's interesting. I, and, and I really enjoy it. Uh talking to people and and hearing about their instances of this. I think uh, in a way I'm uh, an outlier. To to almost everyone I've talked to, I've been an outlier in that until I was about 14 or 15, I never really thought about music. To me, like when I was young, music was something like thinking about music as an art or creative was like thinking about wallpaper, or carpet, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it was there, but there wasn't any like substance to it.
0: <laughs> you have to get off the show now. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and so until I was 14 or 15, I, I didn't really think about music. I was, but, but, what happened was I was really a blank slate mm-hmm. musically until that time. And, and within a period of months, I don't know what happened. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Everything.
1: <laughs> I went from not owning a, a record and a record player at all to just devouring as much vinyl as I could.
0: Yeah, that is unusual, isn't it? I should mention a couple of other things too, um, in case my family listens to this. So we also had quite a bit of Pete Seeger in the house. I should have mentioned that because Dad, yeah, that he was definitely a giant early influence that I uh, forgot to mention before uh so yeah I have to set the records right
1: <laughs> and that's interesting to me because when um you talk about this uh bands and singers that you like they're they're not of that but they're of that ilk a little bit you really like singer-songwriter mm-hmm. uh you really like people who craft a song mm-hmm. per se and also have uh, like emotional depth within that with, the, especially with lyrics. So that's, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. I'm sure that these things have, you know, have a big influence ultimately. Right. Although, well, we'll talk more about how expansive we are in music that we like, but, you know, Bill, when you were talking about some of these songs, what did you call them? They're uh, novelty songs. Oh, no-
2: no- novelty songs. Yeah. yeah I novelty
0: mean... songs. Yeah. What, tell me what you mean by that.
2: Well, uh, Chuck Berry, My mm-hmm. Dingling was a big novelty song.
0: <laughs> I mean, okay, it, now I see what you mean.
2: <laughs> I, I mean, this um, shaving cream, there was all kinds of them when I was growing up that were being played. It was all kinds of novelty stuff. And because they were different and kind of hokey, it made them kind of funny. So as a kid, you know, snicker, snicker, we can laugh about that kind of thing and get away with laughing about it. So,
0: yeah, what I was thinking about during that era for me. And also, because I lived way out in the country, I actually had, I spent a lot of time outside by myself, especially walking home from the uh, bus stop, Yeah, which sounds like I'm on some sort of sidewalk. No, I'm way out in the country, on a country road, walking home from the bus stop. And so I used to sing a lot. And some of the um, kind of bubblegum songs from that era Those were some of the early songs that I used to sing. So Yummy, 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 I Got Love in My Tummy, I remember. And then a song that I really, really liked, um, which occurred to me again as I was thinking about this episode, was I Think We're Alone Now by Tommy James and the Shondells. And I was thinking, somebody should redo that song because that's really a great song. I'm sure it would, you know, if you listen to it now, it sounds pretty dated. But then I discovered that some people have remade that song. Most of them seem to do it in kind of the same way, but there's a version of it by Lena Lenovich. Is that her name? Lena Lenovich. She was part of the new wave um, movement.
1: But oh, okay. She, I remember that. Yeah. yeah but she, she's
0: actually Is that how you pronounce her name? Yeah. Sorry. I should have looked it up, but yeah, she's actually done a pretty nice version of it. I like what she's done with it.
1: That's actually a good song. Yes.
2: Yeah, it's it's a timeless.
0: Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm.
2: It changes tempos. Uh, really effectively.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a cool song. So I wanted to ask you if if there were songs or music that you remember from back then that you thought was really good and now it's like, well, I'm not so sure. It seems kind of dated now.
1: I, I agree with Bill a lot. In fact, uh, the earliest songs, I, I think I bought maybe like 45s of, um, were, okay, um, Popcorn, by paper lace. <laughs> okay. Know if you're
0: yeah, yeah. It, vaguely, I remember this. Yeah. And it was... Yeah, right.
1: It was probably the, the first synthesizer or something like that. Uh, and then this is kind of funny. Uh, Billy, don't be a
2: hero. Uh, that, that whole era there. That Those all came up about the same time.
1: And uh, as it happens uh my wife was in a business supposed like here in town in ventura this business she was and she became friends with the person uh this one gal long story short her husband was in that band oh wow <laughs> and and i like i ran into her i said you know that song had um you know that's the earliest song i can remember buying the Forty-five to forty-five hundred forty-fives anymore, and uh, playing it, she got to get a kick out of that. I'm sure. And they still tour.
0: They still. Oh do. wow, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of these vision, some of these images that we have of some of these really old bands still touring, it does give me kind of a creepy feeling. I don't know what you guys think.
2: Well, there, there, there's the sad part of it that there's a lot of bands that really have no original members left and, and they buy the name mm-hmm. and they pour into that name mm-hmm. and it's like people go i mean they, they play all the hits but i don't know something's kind of lost when you don't have at least one member in there that can <laughs> tell you a story about the old days it's kind of i don't know sad you know i've been
1: i've been to a few of those concerts and you know the thing is the people there love it uh-huh.
2: yeah you no know, yeah and a lot of people don't realize that it's nobody that they, nobody from the band. I mean, they, they just go thinking, I want to hear my favorite songs by the yeah. so-and-so and mm-hmm. they don't even look into it. Most people don't look into the names of the people in the band. They just know the band's name and want to hear it. Oh. I
1: I, I have kind of mixed feelings about that too because I have a bunch of friends uh, who love going seeing bands from the, God, I'll say it, like the 80s and the 90s, even past that. And I'll, and I'll go to the shows and I enjoy being with my friends, but I'll be like, you know, that... Even if I see the original members, I'll be like, they're not—they're not what they were. Are they just going through the motions? Again, I, I respect that they're getting paid. You know, I respect that. Um, but if I have a choice between that and seeing a new group that's really fresh and and just coming out, I'll, I'll go see the new band.
2: I think it would depend on the band. If it's some band that you've always wanted just to see them play, even though they may be a a bit old, long in the tooth kind of thing, it's, it's sometimes fun to like. I've been to a few of these oldies concerts like up down in LA at the sports arena and you see and I remember it was like Jerry Lee Lewis and mm. Ricky Nelson and all kinds of people like that. The association. So it's a lot of a lot of bands that were old bands, but it was still fun to go and see this music that I'll probably never get to hear people play again. So mm. it still can be fun.
0: Yeah, it's really it's almost like there's a spectrum of old musicians that are doing really interesting, innovative things. And old musicians that are really just kind of doing the same thing that they've always done, playing the old hits again. And, you know, and far be it from me to criticize making a living, right, is what, you know, which a lot of them are having to do. But when I think about some of the musicians that, you know, date from way back then, right, because, I mean, we're all old now. It's amazing how how inventive and sort of recreating themselves. They probably don't even think of it that right way, right? They're just they're just working on their craft. But Elvis Costello, I think Bill, you and I were talking about him, just you know, such a wide-ranging musician and such an interesting person. Neil Young also came to mind in that way, you know, just exploring a lot of different things. And if you go to a Neil Young concert, sometimes you just you have no idea what you're gonna get. Anybody else come to mind like that?
1: Uh, actually, Paul McCartney's still doing. Yeah. Really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting. I want to get uh, both yours takes on this. That okay? So when I grew up, it was it was rock music. That was the the music that everybody listened to in my my peers. Let's mm-hmm. say you know it's it, it was either rock or funk. You know R and B. And the, the impression was, though, that over thirty, you're petered out. It was like you were like a sports figure. you know you were you were like you know a football player or a soccer player. you hit thirty, you know, your career's over, the the creativity is gone. you don't really come up. And, and it was like the era of you know when the who sang My generation mm-hmm. and the stones sang about you know getting old, Uh, that, that was literally how, you you know, uh, at least I felt that, um, or or I wouldn't say I felt that seemed to be the kind of general feeling was that just people over 30, your creativity went away and and you didn't have people didn't come out with good stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think that's totally changed. I think that's totally for the better.
0: You know, I often think about how lucky I was to be born when I was, as far as music goes, because we really grew up with the evolution of rock and roll, right? I mean, everything that happened in rock and roll, we were right there. And that, I mean, that was super fun, right? But I think too, that rock and roll has kind of grown up also, right? So there's something really inspiring or, um, I don't know, at least energizing to think that there are still these old guys out there, right, as old as us, or even older, if you can believe it, even older, (laughs) who are still, you know, still rocking, still learning, still doing cool stuff. So that, yeah, I don't feel as now being old as as it was back then. (laughs) At least that's my feeling.
2: (laughs) You know,
1: another one we didn't, Bob Dylan is putting out albums that are as good as most other people maybe they're they they will not be like on my top 10 or top 20 list but they'll be on my top 25 uh definitely
2: yeah he, he's still he's still doing things and he's growing all the time too he's doing different things and i think it's great when the artist can change a little bit with the times or or try new things because i found a lot of influences from people like uh, costello or um different people that neil young doing different different kinds of music because it brings you into a different style that you haven't heard before maybe and you and you develop different likes and you really expand your whole database i think that's definitely the commonality
1: i have with my favorite bands and favorite favorite artists is that that they're always changing and every album you'd listen to because it's okay what are they doing next and I think that's very interesting to me. My, my background, I'm, in, I'm an engineer, but I'm in development, product development. You know, also my, my hobbies and things like that is the intersection of creativity and also your best output. And kind of, if you're going to be really rational, you'd say, well, if you keep doing the same thing over and over, you'll, you'll keep getting better at it. I mean, that would be the kind of a rational thing. But with bands, it seems to be not that they do a couple things over and over again, and it's not just stale to listen to, but actually the art itself I think gets stale. Where if you have a band that all the time is trying new things, it it stays fresh, and that that brings out the best in them.
2: And and each each of their attempts doesn't always work. Sometimes you'll they'll try something that's like, yeah, I, I know this. Some people will like it, but it's not my taste. But then you wait an album or two, and it's something you do like you know, and i always like to learn from the albums like learning different when people do cover songs and stuff a lot of times i'll go back and hear the originals or i'll listen to other things because i want to hear more about that or why did they choose that kind of thing and you, and you kind of hear where they picked up inspiration to do it i think you can tell a lot
1: by a band by their choice of covers
0: oh yeah for sure yeah in fact i was going to ask this question later but i'm going to pop right into it now you know I never really thought that much about covers until I met Bill, because Bill has a really good ear for covers. And it gave me a playlist of cover songs. That's where I heard Mrs. Robinson done by the Lemonheads, which just, I don't know, I'll never recover from that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it was extremely good. I don't mean that in a bad way, but it was just so eye opening about what you could do with a song like that. And the, you know, the way they brought the drums into that song was just, it's still amazing to me, but Bill is really good at finding covers. And and I'd never really thought about them very much before, but I think, yeah, that's one of the things about having musical friends, right. It's, it's a little bit like knowing good covers is you get introduced to music that you wouldn't otherwise hear, but yeah,
2: talk, talk some more about covers. Well, back, back in my younger days, I mean, the who was a big, a big band that we all listened to. And they would do these odd covers. They didn't do a lot of mm. covers, but summertime blues, and I thought, well, oh, that's uh-huh. a pretty cool song." So I checked out Eddie Cochran and became a big Eddie Cochran fan from that, uh-huh. and played a lot and played um a lot of his stuff, and with that came kind of buddy Holly kind of a t- same era. but also they did things by Mose Allison, and Mose Allison is awesome and most people don't really know who he is pete townsend was writing about in some article saying that young man blues was just great song and then he found out that mose allison was white he couldn't believe it you thought it was an old black guy singing this stuff so <laughs> it's it's kind of you learn a lot from the covers sometimes if you just yeah. look into a little bit more and I, and I discovered a lot of great bands from that it's interesting to me
1: that my favorite bands i hooked onto them through their covers. I think that's a combination of that's an entryway to the band. And also maybe that, you know, when I was growing up, you heard music on the radio that was, and then, so you heard new music on the radio, but I could think like specifically when I, you know, listening to, so I was Detroit, so it's Detroit rock and roll all the time. And then I heard like, what's that? And it was the clash. Uh Uh-huh. I fought the law and and maybe it was a combination of that was the song they played. That was their single. As soon as I heard that though, I go, this is a fresh new band. I'm not sure why I heard that as opposed to like the newest from Ario Speedwagon or or Kansas or wherever, but I I just went out and like sight unseen bought their album. Mm -hmm. And then the other example is um, the talking heads take me to the river. Mm -hmm. was as soon as I heard that, I go, this is a, that's an Al Green cover.
0: Oh yeah. Right.
1: It's a great, song to begin with by al green and, and then their cover of it was uh you know rock and call it new wave or had that edge to it um that made the band for me
2: yeah talking heads i think is one of those underrated influential bands of our time i think they really change music a lot and they don't don't get as much credit for it as they probably should
0: yeah talking heads for me i just always really like their groove like they just have you know a lot of the the drive to their music, I find really, really appealing. But I want to segue into a question. Is there any music that sometimes you think, oh, I should like this music, but I just can't? Like the opposite for me would be Talking Heads. Like I say, I just automatically, you know, they've got hooks and things that, that just really draw me in. Whereas there's other music that I think, ah, I mean, I know people really like this and I guess it should be good, but I, you know, actually, I'll give an example. I think Nirvana is that way for me. I just, ah. I get it. Like I admire what they do, but I would never put on Nirvana just for fun. So there's my confession. I'm totally uncool, but yeah, I just, yeah, there's just, I, I don't know if you guys have any other examples.
2: Well, I can agree with the Nirvana one. I mean, I don't know why. It's just maybe it's an age thing or something, but. They're, they had a couple of good songs I thought were really good, and in their in their cover of the David Bowie song was was really really great. But yeah, I wouldn't run and put put an album on or something myself either. Well, it's, it's funny
1: with Nirvana. I was um, had a conversation with a couple of people, huge Nirvana fans, and I I like them. I like them a lot, but I do appreciate them more than I like listening to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. I you know, and. It is very much, uh, to me, an age thing mm. because, okay, well, I'll just jump right into it, is that when I I first remember hearing Nirvana, uh, Nevermind, and um, I thought, this is a really good song, but it, it's not that uh, different to me. huh. Because at that time, I was listening to a lot of Who's uh, Do and The Replacements and uh, The Meat Puppets. Mm-hmm. and they were of that ilk, and so they weren't that new and fresh to me. Uh, so I liked them, but I didn't think they were this groundbreaking. But then when I talked to people that are younger and were listening to the radio and things like that, and they were listening to Bon Jovi and the hair metal bands, uh, and then at that time, kind of the punk movement and New new Way... Uh, were, 80s music, 80s British pop music. It's kind of petered, petered out, but that's still was being played a lot. Uh, and I, then it was MTV. And the impression I get was that people were waiting for something fresh and new that spoke to them. Yeah. And it hadn't happened, there hadn't been anything for a couple of years, any bands. The bands I really liked that did that for me, the, the Clash had broken up, the Talking Heads were, you weren't doing that. Uh, you know, Elvis Costello was doing uh, sophisticated pop songs, but he—it wasn't, you know, the Elvis uh, Costello and the Attractions that were from the you know late '70s, early '80s, and so they, a lot of people that like music of that age were waiting for something to speak to them.
2: I think their own, their own thing. I mean, a lot of people want, I mean, it's like they listen to everybody else's music. Oh, that's my brother's music. That's my parents' music. Mm -hmm. And then something comes out that they feel like, wow, this is something I can really grab onto. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that's how some of those things get started. But in the early early days with with different, different sounds like you're talking about dire straits was one of those bands for me. It's like, when you first heard that first song, it was like, wow, this is something different that I'm not, I haven't heard before. And it really kind of grabs you down to the water line or salt in the swing, either one of those.
0: Yeah. When I first was talking uh, to one of you about doing this episode, I was talking about what I call the jaw drop moments. And that was one for me was was hearing dire straits on the radio and just like putting down my pencil and sitting up like, what, 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 wait, what, (laughs) who are these people? What is happening? (laughs) Yeah. But I think you're right, Doug. Sometimes it's the context right and and maybe if that music had come out 10 years before or 15 years before it wouldn't have had quite the impact but when you're getting fed the same stuff on the radio then when something new comes then you, you know you can claim it as yours whereas an older person might say oh, you know we kind of heard some other things like that but yeah, there are things, I mean, yeah, I remember the first time I heard Tracy Chapman, mm. Fast Car, sure. that, that was another moment. And again, you know, now when I hear her stuff, I think, well, you know, it's not that different. It's just the context, right? At that time, there was nothing like that that was being played on the radio. So when she came on with that, you know, really close vocals and the Husky voice and more of that singer-songwriter approach, yeah, it really caught my ear. Another one I remember Uh, was hearing Tina Turner, What's Love Got to Do With It. I was actually in a record store, uh, you know, prowling through used records. And that came on over the loudspeakers. And I remember just, like, raising my head and looking around the room like, is anybody else listening to this? What (laughs) is this? Yeah.
1: Well, that's an interesting uh, area for, for me that I wanted to ask you both about was I can remember when I really started getting into music, which was the late 70s, and how I would find bands of music that I really liked, and my experiences versus your experience as well, especially Bill's up in Marquette, because, well, speaking for myself, Detroit was really musically segmented back then, but within that, you had a lot of really good music. You could... I mean, the rock stations just played rock, but if you, you know, and the, there would be the urban stations that would just play, you know, R&B and funk, but within that you could hear, you know, Parliament, Funkadelic, you could hear some pretty um, wide range of music. It had to be funk though, you know, and whether you...
0: (laughs) wide range as long as it was funk
1: (laughs) right I mean you could hear mothership connection which traveling through Indiana I don't know if you would have heard or through Marquette and and how you would how you both would find out those bands or uh you know or not
2: well being in Marquette there was a couple of things um first of all some of those radio stations we still got radio stations up in Marquette too things traveled pretty well some of the big name stations like Uh, wls and things like that which kind of a poppy station but still they played a lot of a lot of music and stuff that were was different sometimes but we also were a college town most of our students came from lower michigan down by detroit so when they the students would come back up they would bring a lot of their influences with them and it would get played on the college radio or different places around town and of course we were a college age around that time too so you meet these people and they're playing music but you haven't heard before and that helped grow your your whole repertoire too so yeah detroit and lower michigan really influenced upper michigan quite a bit sure those uh left of the dial radio stations yeah
0: (laughs) yeah i was gonna ask that question as well if they're so i already uh, mentioned bill turning me on to music that i probably wouldn't otherwise have found And I was going to ask you guys if there's anybody you'd like to thank for uh, turning you on to music. One of the big ones that I remember, and back then I think this was not uncommon at all. I was at a party and I would kind of fallen in with this uh, gang of people who had all gone to high school together, I think in Indianapolis, but they'd all come down to Bloomington to go to college or to work or whatever, all the things that we were doing back then. And I was at a party and one of them, and it turned out they were all deadheads, which I didn't know. And they, um, one of them sat me down in a rocking chair next to the stereo and put on Uncle John's band and said, you're really going to like this. And she was right. I did. <laughs> and yeah, many things ensued from that. So of course, I have to thank them for, for turning me on to the dead. But yeah, it's I do. I feel as though back then we did a lot more of that, like sit down and listen to this. I, I don't know if that happens very much, at least at our age anymore, although maybe it's in sort of subtle ways it does. I don't know. What do you guys think? I,
2: I think usually for individualized now with, with headphones and digital music, mm. I, I mean, unless you're in a car somewhere, I, I don't, well, maybe at least in my circles now because we're older, but most people don't just put on music with a, with a party or people around because people want to talk and make they want to be able to learn stuff through conversation. I think when you're younger, music is really a bigger part. But nowadays with, with digital, it's like, head. I mean, you're wearing headphones, so nobody really knows what you're listening to most of the time. So mm. it, I think it's harder to spread that that knowledge that what, what you like around in this. You say, hey, listen to this and pass them your, your link or whatever you have that you're playing. Yeah, I think a lot of those days have changed now with digital, unfortunately.
1: You know, it's a very interesting phenomena to me. Uh, in a couple of ways, because like when I went to college like, as a freshman, you know, I immediately could glam on people to talk about music for, you know, go to a party and we just talk about music and, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, oh, I really like the guy. If I, if I knew the guy's taste or sort of like, oh. You, you like, you know, that, band. oh, you know, oh, you like you've heard of the dead, all you have to do is go, oh, you've heard of the dead Kennedys? Okay, this uh-huh. guy's is, uh, you know, doing pretty good. Oh, oh you like violent thems. Okay, this is a good guy. He knows the <laughs> violent thems. Uh-huh. But along with that is, you know, I had the, the sense, and I, I don't mean to sound presumptuous here, because I knew a lot of other people like this too back then, is that you could go to a party meet people and then say, "Hey, there's this really cool band, or I'm really into such and such," and you would know who that they were. I mean, when the Village Voice would put out their their poll, like the top forty albums or whatever, I would know thirty-eight of those albums. You know, I would know I would have a working knowledge of every important group that was going on in, in pop and rock. And you know, when I say rock, like funk, R&B you know, all that. But now there's such a diverse ecosystem of music that there's bands that you can have a couple million YouTube hits on. And I talked to people who, you know, in their college days and stuff, and they've never heard of them. There's, it's, there's such a wider a range of music. Nobody can have that that knowledge of music like I think we did back in the day. I don't know. I don't know if that's your feeling or not, but
2: yeah, they aren't, they, they're not dedicated anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, another interesting thing with, like uh, with Spotify, but all, all the, you know, again, music ecosystem is that you talk to when I talk to people, you know, under 30 and ask them who they're into, it can be everybody from the last 50, maybe 75 years of music. Cause to them, it's all, it's all equal. You just pull it up. Whereas if you were, you know, when I was 18 or 20 and stuff, who are you into? You would pick the latest bands, mm-hmm. the, the bands that were just coming out.
2: I was just in Marquette recently and I went to one of the few record stores of their used record store. And I had a nice long chat with the, um the owner and I was asking them, what are the college kids now coming in and buying? Because I mean, I don't have, there's not a lot of record stores I can go to and hang out at for an hour and talk to somebody. But he said it was really a weird thing where they were coming and buying all kinds of really old stuff. Like the ink spots were a big one. People, college kids were coming in and buying. It was like weird. Well, yeah. And, and, and it's when I was there, they were buying some old folk stuff and they were hearing a lot of it. He said through video games and like, I guess, uh, Fallout, I think it was, has a lot of old music, like the Ink Spots and stuff in it. And these kids, because they don't know where else to hear music, I hear it and they go, oh, that's I want to hear more of what that, what that is. And they were out buying these albums from stuff. I mean, it's like, I, I was really blown away by the fact that you, you got college kids now buying Ink Spots. I mean, that's just yeah. wild. And, and and looking through the folk ses- section and finding old records from the early days of the blues and rock and things. And it's like, how are they, where are they getting it from? So it's video games, I guess, is the big, a big source. And also I always find TV shows and movies also will play something. Yeah, It's not uncommon for me to hear a song on a TV show Mm -hmm. and I'll go, wow, I really like that. I'll go right to the internet. I'll, I'll look up the, I'll I'll hunt it down by going to different places, going to the TV show and seeing what songs were played and figuring out what it was. And I, I find all kinds of really Mm -hmm. nice stuff that I wouldn't have found otherwise.
1: You know, uh, I had one happen to me about a year or two ago that I was talking to one of my son's friends who was a DJ at USC. So he was a young kid, really into music. Mm -hmm. And like what I would do when I was college age, I'd be like, okay, who's your, who's your top five people that you're listening to? Who are you listening to now? And I was expecting like Billie Eilish, Kanye and like a couple, you know, hip hop artists I'd never heard of. And he goes, "Oh, I can give you that my top his, his top 5 was uh Edith Plath, um like Bob Seger, uh oh. Weather Report, uh oh, Kansas and <laughs> Oh my god. Um they were just all all over the place. There was I mean they ranged from the 40s, the 1940s to and they were all over the map musically. Isn't that
0: interesting?
1: Uh you know, it just really struck me that oh, yeah, as a DJ, don't you want to listen to the latest stuff? Right. But no, he's like, I I want to listen to the whole range of music I have. And it was all equal to him. You wouldn't say, oh, you know, weather report, aren't they kind of funny duddies that that had no meaning to him?
2: Yeah, I, I've always been in the belief that there's a lot of people that feel like they don't like genres. Oh, I don't like country music. Oh, I don't like mm-hmm. any, any, any kind of music. And it's like every type of music has quality in it maybe only five percent you might like but until you find that one of those five percent people you may not care about it at all and once you once you hear something that that you go wow this is really this really changed my mind on this i want to hear more of this kind of stuff for for me like country i mean a lot of that new country now is kind of poppy and kind of like kind of pr- overly produced and on those generated music but you, you go back and hear the old stuff like the hank williams and the patsy Kleins and all that classic stuff you you learn that there's a lot of quality out there and that's true of any artist there's there's all kinds of artists that have all kinds of genres that have good artists that you just go wow I, I didn't realize it could sound like this and too many people just don't give things a chance i think sometimes but i think these kids now are hearing things and they're just giving more credence to quality as opposed to quantity
1: mm-hmm. I, I 100% agree with you mm-hmm That's what, that's what Spotify, you know, that's what the digital age has really done effectively. It's in essence destroyed the idea that there's a genre, genre music.
0: Well, and I mean, it was used to be that way with the radio stations, right? I mean, this is a really cool thing that, in my opinion, that these things are, that those silos have been so broken down now. So you get, yeah, you get exposed. Everybody gets exposed to a lot more instead of what's selected, you know, pre-selected for you. Well, I
2: think it's still pre-selected, but <laughs> by some by somebody. This this is an XM. After an hour you're gonna hear the same songs, maybe not an hour, but two hours, you hear the same songs playing again. It's kind of like, well, I guess they don't shake it up that much after all. It's not free form like you would hope it would be.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't really understand listening to music like that, but I think a lot of people do. But I do have to tell a story about a young people. So a few years ago we had a French snowboarder staying with us, and it was his birthday. And so we threw a birthday party for him, even though he didn't know anybody in town. And we just invited a whole bunch of kids that were about his age. And they uh, got into my iTunes while the party party was going on. It was such a funny experience when people are trolling through your library. Because on one hand, I'm like, yeah, I've got the best iTunes library. (laughs) And then on the other hand, I'm like, oh, these kids are going to hate everything I have. But you know, what they instantly found was the Beatles. I had a a lot of Beatles and they just started playing the Beatles. And and I was listening to them play and, uh, you know, to the songs play and then watching the kids sing along and how much they were enjoying the music. And like you, Bill, I was thinking, man quality lasts you know yeah. these kids do not care what era this is they don't care any about that they just really like this music and the beatles are that way they just endure right i mean i just think they're they're just amazingly good and
2: and, and they grew so much over their times you can find almost almost any kind of style within the beatles at mm-hmm. some point i mean they did old, they did country stuff they did pop they did rock they did uh the soul stuff i mean they, they were all over the Psych- psychedelic so you can hear all kinds of stuff in the beatles and not be stuck to one genre
1: hey i'll do a quick recommendation um for a birthday present uh i got the uh, remastered abbey road albums mm-hmm. and vinyl um i think you got i think everybody hears that vinyl head a little bit at least oh, yeah. yeah so it is it was like 80 100 bucks Totally worth it. Wow. The way you could hear each individual instrument was, you know, it's a great album. Yeah. Um, the best albums ever made. And then when I first got it, I was like, you know, it's just gonna be really nice. I don't know, Is it gonna, is it just gonna be great? And then it was a notch better than that with the, wow. with the remaster. And then the extra stuff. Usually I'm I'm really kind of weary of the extra stuff they put on there, but they have they did it right. It, it's not just uh crapshoot of a bunch of stuff but it does have outtakes of the songs that are done in different manner manner that get you thinking Mm. uh and then it has a couple things of like just the strings and then then the highlight of it is an extended version of a polyethylene pam with ringo's drum break the beatles rock Uh (laughs) don't don't ever forget They, they can rock whenever they want (laughs)
2: <laughs> you, you know some of these box sets and, and big things some are really good some are just money profit centers kind of thing but when they're done right there's some really nice stuff the replacements have put out a few of those mm. box sets and those are pretty cool and um but the Beatles ones were kind of nice because they actually had and some of them a 5.1 mix of some of the stuff and it's interesting to hear a different different mix like that all of the because most of us have a have some kind of uh, surround sound system and they hear it in a five channel type thing. It's kind of interesting. Hmm. And it's mixed by people that knew what they were doing. Um, with the Beatles also, if you haven't seen it, there's a I think Netflix, the one, two, three by McCartney. Very, very good with Rick Rubin. And um, definitely worth checking out because Paul McCartney, they're playing a lot of stuff from the from the master tapes and, and changing the mixes and stuff. So it's pretty cool. So is, it, is that an
1: album with Rick Rubin?
2: No, it's not an album. It's just a it's just a TV series, like um maybe a three or four episodes, but um I think it's called or three two one maybe. I think it was Netflix or Hulu, one of those two. But de- definitely worth checking out if you haven't checked it out because it's really really an interesting listen. And
1: I'll do a, another shout out while we're talking about the Beatles was that my first band that I totally was into was the Stones. Uh-huh. Quick story. Uh, so when I First got into music, I did it for the first album I bought was Get Your Yayas Out, which I, I did for the completely uh sophisticated, mature reason. <laughs> I went to a friend's party and they uh somebody said, Let's let's play some music. And the person said, Oh, I got my brother's Stones album, and that's what we listened to. And I thought, well, that's no, no one's gonna that, that's gonna be a cool it's gotta be a cool album because it's the older brother right and then just a couple of weeks later the radio station um was doing a thing where they played every rolling stone album all the way through holy cow at uh 11 o'clock at night uh-huh. i would do homework and then i would i, I just got my new stereo i put in the tape press record right at, right at eleven. Mm. And I recorded every Stones album there was. <laughs> and then I would listen to it, you know, the, the rest of the week. And what I learned was that all these Stones albums, that uh, songs they were playing on the radio, I'd heard them so much, they weren't really fresh to me. But I was hearing all these, like, their old, really ragged RB stuff. And their, you know, the other sides and their B-sides. And I was like, oh, this is great stuff. And I never hear it on the radio. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, they started off kind of as a blues cover band in a way because, mm-hmm. I mean, their first couple of albums were all pretty much covers until they started writing their own songs.
1: Exactly. They, they were, to me, they were like the jet-setting rock stars. And then you listen to that, that early stuff and they like, oh, these are teenagers. like I me,
0: know, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, they, they have a couple of songs that could have been sung by The Clash. They could have been punk songs. Oh, oh yeah. In, in my opinion. Yeah, the other thing the Stones did for me was, unlike the Beatles, the Beatles crafted songs that were so original and so creative. They were just they were just Beatles songs, you know. They're just totally like out of the primordial soup of their creativity. <laughs>
2: yeah, but this. How did that deal with the devil? Yeah.
1: <laughs> the Stones. What they do is they on onto different genres and grab that. And they'd have, like, they play Kansas City blues. They'd play, like, kind of Dixie jazz stuff. They'd play rural blues stuff. And they would, like, it was like a uh, country western song. They would
2: mm-hmm. play
1: it. And then from that, you'd be like, oh, you know, I let me take a second thought of country, you know, country, Western music. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is what they mean by Delta Blues. And Mm -hmm. so I check out Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf. I go, okay, this is where
2: they're coming from. Mm -hmm. That's what I think covers and stuff are really kind of highlight a lot of different things that we wouldn't normally find.
0: No, and like you say, Bill, you know it's one of the really fun things about music is to go down those rabbit holes, right? And and discover Al Green. You know, I discovered him fairly late in life, and I'm a huge fan now. But yeah, when I was younger, I didn't know who he was. But yeah, you just you go down these rabbit holes now, which you can now with the internet and so much music available, Spotify and all that. Yeah, it's really fun. It's really fun to be. I think the time that we grew up was really excellent. And it's really fun to be a music fan now because we're exposed to so much. So much is available.
2: I have a question for both you guys. Um, for me, it's I've always found there's like two or three different types of people with music. There's the ones that really enjoy music and they like the melody. They're the ones that like the lyrics. I mean, the things that really strike them the most. And there are, I think, fewer of the people that like them both. I personally am a melody person. I like the melody before the lyrics or anything else. If I hear a good melody, that kind of clicks me into the song. Or some people, if they hear the words, they go, oh, it doesn't matter what the melody is. These words are great. So everybody has a different, and I think there's those three three variables, and I was wondering what you guys are at.
0: Uh, I guess I'd have to say I'm not a words person. I mean, I like the lyrics, but the song has to grab me. I would actually say the rhythm is probably the most. That's that's kind of
2: the melody, I guess, more. Yeah. uh (laughs)
0: Uh-huh. Because, I mean, there are songs that just have ridiculous lyrics and I still love them. (laughs) 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 But yeah, it's especially that grab that I often look for, right? That instant groove, like especially songs that make me want to get up and start dancing around the room. I just love that.
2: How, How about
1: you, Doug? um well it's funny along, along with that um so i remember one of my favorite i don't know favorite memories i can remember ta- being at a party or something like it was a party people were talking about their lyrics and and this was this is right like 1980 and it was still kind of a um rock and roll band heavy metal was what you know my peers were listening to for the most part and they were talking about some band, maybe Kansas or something like that. And they really liked the lyrics. People were talking about, you know, talking about that. And I said, oh, you want great lyrics. You have to listen to this band called The Talking Heads. <laughs> and, I, and I had this and, it, and it's like Cross-Eyed and Painless, where it's just this word jumble of mm. association. And, you know, I read like two or three lines, four or five lines. They thought I was insane. They're like, No <laughs> <laughs> sense. I you know why? But Dan, you know, going back to your question, the two, the things for me, and I think they're kind of related. Well, is the a song's concept? Hmm. I can glom onto that. That's one thing I noticed It's like what is the person trying to say something originally? Even if he doesn't, isn't it saying exactly right or doesn't? The melody is uh, not quite there. And then al- along with that, and this is kind of the paradoxical thing why I'm really into music, why it really fascinates me uh, is that, you know, I- I'm an engineer, so I have to do things that are very rational and you make decisions and you judge things based on that. And then with music, what way you can get is something that completely works but it doesn't have any of those things and especially music just and this is why my first aha moment was a, with a lot of punk music mm-hmm. you had artists that weren't very good at playing music and they, and they weren't didn't have melodies and and um you know rhythm and and the lyrics were hit and miss but they had that
2: drive passion they had that uh, the passion came through i i, I find yeah mm-hmm. that, that that was that made the music in
1: spite of not having all the having all these technical defects that they had the they put the passion into it
2: mm-hmm. when i listen to music sometimes um i go back a lot of times and i search out demos and things i find the demos and stuff really interesting and a lot of people think oh that's just them starting off but for me a lot of times you can hear the, the passion from the demos and that that to me really excites me to hear what the really early days were. And sometimes the demo actually is better than the actual produced take. Sometimes you're overly produced and not not real well well. Like the replacements, uh, if only you're lonely, that demo of that is like like one of those things that make you cry if you hear mm. I mean if you haven't heard it.
0: I was thinking, yeah, for everything that we say, we can probably come up with a counterexample, right? Cause for all three of us, we're I'm just really interested in all different aspects of music but i was thinking that song you know bang on the drum all day and it, <laughs> you know i mean obviously the lyrics are ridiculous and even it's not that it's not that masterful of a song right but that song you know we we are attracted to that song for a whole range of reasons some of which are just to thumb our noses at <laughs> the world right so yeah it, it's complicated why we like music but we can like it for a lot of different reasons. Very good. Okay, well, our time is about up and it's been absolutely terrific to talk to both of you. I'm sure we could keep going and I have more questions here. So I do hope that you come back. Uh, but before I let you go, is there anything that either of you uh, would like to share with the audience before we stop?
2: Uh, I, I guess for me, I, I, I hope that people listening, if they haven't really had much um, experience with physical copies of of music, it's nice to be able to purchase a record or even a CD or something as opposed to just get it digitally. Because I think someday, if this, if things change, it's nice to fall back on something. And vinyl seems like it's timeless at this point to fall back on something that you can still play. 20 years from now, you may go through a record collection of vinyl and find something and go, Well, oh, I haven't played this in 10 years or 20 years. And they'll put it on. It's like it brings you right back. Well, with the digital, I don't know if you can really search your life, if your libraries are that. I mean, you can see the names of stuff, but when you see an album cover, you see something that really, it brings you back to it. I think that's real exciting. I I hope that some people will start to appreciate the physical product a little bit more. And that's just my little thing.
1: Well, I guess uh, my thing uh, is just to bring it full circle to what we kind of started talking about was that, you know, music and creativity and the artistry, either putting it out or listening to it, you know, it doesn't time you out. You can do it at, at any age and, and still really enjoy it. I'm going to concerts. You know, uh, I was at a, a concert earlier this week. New band, super had a lot of fun. I still have friends that um, we get together and go with uh, shows. Uh, actually got uh, tickets to Coachella coming up. Oh, nice. And look forward to seeing a lot of new bands there. And it's something that, you know, you never age out at.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I should say for the audience, too, it's been really fun for the three of us to talk about early stories of being introduced to music and the kind of music that we heard early influences and all that. If you would like to share your stories with us, please don't hesitate. We would love to hear uh, about uh, your your own experiences whenever it is that you began to come of age musically. So, yeah, don't uh, hesitate to get, to get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Thanks,
2: everybody. Well, thank you. Nice nice meeting, Doug. And thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Bill, it was a pleasure uh, meeting and talking to you. And uh, as well, uh, it was. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me on.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to check out the show notes for additional information about this episode. And give us a like or a thumbs up on Podomatic or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd also love to have your support on Patreon. And get in touch. We'd love to hear from you through the internet or Twitter or whatever means works for you. And finally, thanks to Caffeine Creek for the theme music.